0: Hi, and welcome to the fourth part of four special edition EVJ podcasts. These are based on the Review of the Year session, which was originally given at this year's Beaver Congress, and they cover the recent literature in four different categories. The moderator of the session was Beaver's president, Jonathan Pycock. And in this podcast, Renata Weller will review the past year's literature based on diagnostic imaging. Renata is currently Professor for Comparative Biomechanics and Imaging at the Royal Veterinary College and has a special interest in how locomotor biomechanics relate to performance and risk of injury. Um, review of the year imaging. So, bumper the year we had an imaging, which I have to admit, we got a little bit, as imagers got a little bit of help from all sorts of people, including reproduction people, surgeons and internal medicine specialist so we are cheating a little bit so let me ask you, how many papers do you think have been published in imaging in the last year anybody want to ask a guess shout out 50, ha 100 almost 95, so that's why I said bump a year, and look at this it keeps going up, creeping up starting from 1970 excellent birth year, can I just point out going up and up and up. And this is the last two years. And 2017, we still have three months to go. I'm 100% sure we'll beat it uh, previous years. So a good year, really, but. Um, how many publications? So 2017, 60. 2016, in that little bit, the three months, uh, 35. United States uh, was the top uh, country, followed by the UK, and then all sorts of uh, European ones. Uh, last year, veterinary radiology and ultrasound for the first time ever overtook E B J Syria, sorry, we need to do a bit more. I think, but um, it, it, uh, just about. What, modality-wise, what came out, uh, X-rays are going down a little bit compared to the more advanced modalities with the exception of nuclear medicine, so the cross-sectional uh, areas is really where it's at. Ultrasound always gets pushed up by the reproduction people. So Now the field, look at this, uh, where are the orthopods in the room, it's still musculoskeletal system, That's where it's still happening, let's face it, horses go lame. Um, And this is the areas, and this is what I'm going to concentrate on. So it's tendons, uh, the stifle in particular has uh, gotten a lot of uh, attention last year, and then we have um, ligaments and fat loss. And that's why I'm going to start. So it, I felt like a kid in a candy shop. I really didn't know what, what to choose. And then I got a little focus group, uh, my practice vets, and I said, okay, I have those. What do you think uh, are the most interesting ones? Of course, I hadn't read any of them, but they, with the titles, they told me. So probably, practically, at least on the shop floor, what has helped us a lot is this paper, which is free on EVJ. Uh, as part of this session. So it's a genius study. Lots of work, but genius study. Uh, It literally did anatomy. So it's the radiographic localization of all the attachment of the soft tissues around this stifle. So coming out of Colorado and uh, I I mean these, these guys, that must have been horrendous, I have to tell you, that was a lot of work. So they took eight stifles, they dissected them out, every little small bit, menisci, ligaments, you name it, and then they put them back together. They preserved it, put them back together uh, and radiographed again. And it's literally, this could be a book, it's an atlas of where goes what. And if you see changes on radiographs, what, what attaches there? And I always thought I had a decent anatomy knowledge. Us Munich graduates can do... Two things. One is anatomy, the other one is skiing, so life skills really. <laughs> so um, yeah, I we have this paper now. It's on the wall in our diagnostic imaging building, and we do use that. So I think it's a good thing to have if you look at radiographs of stifles. We stay with this stifle. So same year um, we had a comparison of different imaging modalities. Uh, radiography, ultrasonography, and computer tomography, um, for looking at stifle osteoarthritis in the horse. So this was done on cadaver cadaver legs, it was uh, descriptive and it compared how the different um, modalities performed. And they did 23 equine cadaver stifles, no clinical history known, which is one of the shortcomings of the, of the studies, but you have to start somewhere. And they compared it with macroscopic examination. I just like this graph, I'm not going to go through I'm scared. I'm not going to go through it in detail, but what this study does and what that graph shows is the pattern of osteophytes. On what, uh, where you will find where those osteophytes can be viewed with the different modalities, and how they are distributed. So I think uh, it's worth a read uh, if you have a spare moment, which of course you don't. What I learned from that is that we've done something right coincidentally for a few years. They proposed a novel view, which is basically your usual. Um, Called cranial view that you center usually downward a little bit because the, the tibia plateau slopes, uh, but they come a little bit from lateral, just five degrees. We do that a lot in heavily muscled torses anyway because it helps you a little bit uh, to reduce the scatter, especially if you use mobile machines uh, to reduce the scatter from the soft tissues. However, what they showed quite nicely that uh, you can actually really highlight those osteophytes that form. At the medial intercondylar eminence on uh, on the proximal end of the tibia, and that's um, illustrated in this image that I stole out of the publication with the white arrow. So I thought, excellent. Um, we we did something for different reasons, but it worked. Um, the other thing I learned, and I'm going to hold up my hand here. I haven't paid much attention to this. Is that there is like a, a a string of osteophytes that you can observe on radiographs uh, where the uh, medial tibial joint uh, capsule attaches. And that's the uh, dotted arrow here. So it, there is this, well, the sclerotic line, this horizontal line uh, that shows up that um, those osteophytes, the line of osteophytes. and. I have to say, I've never paid much attention to this before. Uh, we, we went, when that paper came out, we went back through our records, and sure enough, it, it's there in, in, in horses. So uh, I'm, I'm now, well, us, at the, us in, at the, the imaging team at the Royal College, we do take this to heart and pay attention to that. Now, again, almost, well, I think it actually came out in the same month, uh, or within the month of each other, Uh, A very similar study came out, however this time in uh, a retrospective study where the group uh, compared arthroscopy to ultrasound for uh, identification of pathology in the equine stifle. And they used their records and uh, they got a total of uh, almost 50 stifles of almost 40 horses. And uh, quite amusingly, when we... uh, I'm going to join in the surgeon bashing a little bit, just because I can. Um, Quite amusingly, the ultrasound images were reviewed by a team of radiologists and they come to a consensus diagnosis. The arthroscopy videos, each surgeon reviewed their own, because God forbid somebody else would evaluate their work, right? Um, And they had a grading system that then allowed them to compare ultrasound to to, um, arthroscopy findings. And we know, we already know, there's already a few papers out there, we know that to get a whole picture of a stifle you need to use multiple modalities. Uh, But this one got into a little bit more detail and uh, it showed what arthroscopy could do for you in this stifle and what ultrasound could do for uh, for you. And of course, Althrosco- uh, cartilage visualisation is the holy grail in orthopaedics and we're still pretty it, so are the humans. Um, so, yeah, you need arthroscopy really to, if you want to look at uh, cartilage lesion. Having said that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about another study in a second. Um, the subtle lesions in the lateral meniscus ultrasound wasn't too good. Uh, so again arthroscopy outperformed art performed here and the tearing of uh, cr- the cranial meniscal tibial ligament was also better visualized on arthroscopy. However of course for the patellar ligaments um, and overall meniscal lesions you need ultrasound to, to go with that. So you need to do both really. And one of the interesting studies especially uh, uh, for me, because uh, with the CT coming in, which I know you can't perform in practice, but this was an interesting one. Again, they compared imaging modalities in Western performance horses. this time. Uh, they had clinical signs of fermotibular joint disease. Uh, so we do have a bit more clinical information compared to the previous studies. And they included CT arthrography. So where you inject contrast medium, uh, before you do a CT scan. And that was very interesting, and um, it, it's, it's not an easy paper to read. So to make it a little bit clearer in my mind, I listed the different, uh, st- uh, different things we look at, so osteophytes, joint effusion, ligaments, and so on, and uh, this paper quite nicely showed uh, which modality shows those different, different structures or those different, uh, different imaging signs the best. And the uh, conclusion of the study is you really, um, to to evaluate the whole joint, you need all of them. However, overall, if money is not a problem and you're not too concerned about uh, GA anesthesia for CT, uh, actually the contrast CT uh, did pretty well. Um, So that's a good thing. And very excitingly, and for those of you who were at Viva Congress last, dear Martin Vasselaar has presented this here. Uh, he has a, by now a huge number of horses that he put into his open sandwich shaped uh, MRI, and he could quite nicely illustrate some lesions. What I would like to see is contrast CT compared to MRI um, with that, and he's working on this, so hopefully... Uh, he will will be able to present or publish a study on this soon. So I'm going to move down the uh, leg a bit and again this is a paper that's freely available on EVJ uh, as part of this session. We are going to the proximal suspensory um, ligament area. And everybody ultrasounds it, everybody does a lot of things with this um, and we've made lots of progress on this. However, ultrasound I find not always that easy and we know it's used, it, this ligament used to be a muscle, so we have still muscle tissue, we have fat tissue in there, so I, I have to say sometimes it's not as straightforward as that maybe the textbooks sometimes tell you. And this was a study coming out of the AHT where they looked at, uh, where they compared the ultrasonographic findings uh, with the gross post-mortem and histological findings and they had two groups they had a study group that by all intents and purposes the clinical examination including diagnostic they pointed that this is a, a problem with that area and they had a control group of 10 horses where there was no limb lameness observed and all horses included in this study were euthanized for reasons unrelated to this study now there are lots of results in that study and i shows the one, completely subjectively, that I thought were the most interesting from an imaging uh, point of view. So none of the control limbs showed any significant abnormalities on post-mortem. Now we know that most orthopedic injuries in horses are degenerative, so they develop over time, and that surprised me a little bit. I would have expected that at least some horses already showed some changes. What the study doesn't tell, or I couldn't find it in this study, and uh, I'm going to ask Rachel Sue about this, Uh, I want to know how many uh, of the controllers were positive on ultrasound. Uh, However, I think they didn't do that because I think one of the inclusion criteria was that they couldn't have abnormalities on ultrasound. But from an imaging point of view, of course, you want to know both. You want to know sensitivity and specificity. You want to know how many false negatives and false positives an imaging modality gives you. So I felt a little bit short-changed here because I wanted to know that. So when we went to the study group, the uh, the, uh, horses with clinical problems in that area, and that showed that the gross gross post-mortem examination, that about 50% of the uh, limbs showed changes uh, and then you needed to go to histology to uh, really get almost 100% of changes uh, in, in, in the limbs. Um, and what's kind of reassuring for an imager is that there was significant, there was a significant correlation between histological findings and ultrasound. So that's good. So ultrasound is a good, good thing to do. What was really interesting, and I uh, encourage you to look at the images in this study, was that these adhesion formations. Um, and uh, that was quite, the, the images are quite nice, they correlate quite nicely the, the post-mortem to, to ensure, also show what it looks like in ultrasound. So I think that's, that's worth having a look. This paper has a sister paper. Uh, where they describe the MRI findings, for those of you who MRI, so it's a good thing to read both of them uh, next to each other. And then moving on from there, um, again in the same area, there is uh, the, the, the same group is going up a little bit the leg and also compares the MRI finding with the gross post-mortem and histological findings uh, in the plantar aspect of the carpus, and in the proximal meta, metatarsal region. So those three papers uh, go to, go together. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to give the, the surgeons some credit, uh, coming from me, that's a big, big thing. Uh, staying with, I find it quite interesting, uh, this paper, and I know this is more surgical than, than imaging, but again it goes with the proximal suspensory dysmitis, uh, where they looked at the well they developed a model to look at the new surgical treatment, and uh, they um, they looked at the effects of the new microfracture fracture and ligament splitting procedure and what 's interesting from an imaging point of view, which is, what it is, is about what i 'm talking about uh, they they showed the MRI findings with this in the healing process, uh, and that was quite um, Quite uh, interesting because it shows you the progression, which I think we can then use in, in clinical cases as maybe a guideline. Uh, so, hopefully, this, this will, will hold true in, in normal occurring um, uh, problems in that area as well. Now, I'm almost at the end. And this, if, I would, if I could give uh, a publication an imaging of the year award, it would go to this paper. Uh, it was an incredibly difficult study to do. Uh, it looked at uh, the association between sesamoiditis, subclinical ultrasonographic suspensory ligament branch change and subsequent clinical injury healing thoroughbreds. So their aim was to, um, to, to, to o- almost to predict uh, what will come of horses clinically uh, when they showed certain imaging signs. And I assume everyone in this room does pre-purchase exams. Yes, no? Yes, I, I, thought, I would have thought so. And as part of that, of course, we uh, take radiographs and we're also starting to do other modalities and so on. And it's a tricky thing to do. And this, this is actually this is a cool paper. So the reasons for performing this study were we all know that radiographic changes of sesamoiditis are common in thoroughbreds. And, anecdotally, we do believe that uh, these changes are associated with suspensory ligament branch injuries, which we also know from epidemiological studies that they affect racing performance. So we wanted, or they wanted to know, and people who deal with these type of cases or these type of forces want to know, is there an association between radiographic evidence of sesamoiditis Subclinical suspensory ligament branch changes and subsequent um, injury, right? So, because that obviously would help us to not only uh, uh, give us a more accurate prognosis but also to give us an opportunity to intervene. Not that racehorse trainers ever listen to any of us when we say do something different um, most of the time, however. At least it will give us the information. And the yeah. hypothesis was, yep, there is going to be an association between uh, radiographic findings, ultrasonographic findings, and subsequent uh, injury. So what did they do? They had hundred and odd, I think hundred and three or hundred and seven uh, yearling thoroughbreds at a single training centres. Uh, they did all the imaging, radiographs, ultrasound, and then they followed them over nine months of so kind of uh, one racing season. And they did the standard uh, radiographic views uh, and they did uh, standard ultrasonographic um, procedure. And guess what? The hypothesis held, held true. So there was a significant relationship between sesamoiditis uh, and the uh, subclinical changes. Uh, and the odds ratio was 5.1, so a pretty decent odds ratio. But it gets even better. Uh, because there also was a significant relationship and an even higher odds ratio that these horses would then subsequently develop clinical signs of suspensory ligament uh, injury. So I think we should be thinking about whether it's a good thing to include ultrasound as a routine monitoring tool for those type of horses. So, equine Imaging, I, t- I told you, that's where it's at. I would like to thank my resident, Gabriel Diaz, who helped me pull the paper and get the discussion together, and you for listening and hanging out with uh, us this morning. Thank you. We're running a little bit late, so we've got one question which was sent in, which I think it would be, as the time was taken to send in, to deal with, which is for Norma, about the dorsal fractures on the meter side of which leg, the outside or the inside leg, were I racing. Uh, in that paper, they were very, very closely balanced left hind, right hind. What I don't know in this country is, uh, do they race counterclockwise and clockwise? Uh, and so that was not indicated in, in the paper. As to those that were on the right hind, were they going clockwise or counterclockwise? Yes, the bearing. Okay, I'd just like to thank you for coming and all the speakers. We are a little bit short in time, but uh, thanks very much for a wonderful session.